Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning, good morning. Welcome, uh, those of you who are watching online. Welcome, I saw a few of our people from Peru uh, watching this morning online as well. So welcome to you guys. Um, And joining all these beautiful people here uh, in person, I'm Pastor Chris, and uh, I haven't gotten to preach uh, in a while. I kicked off At The Movies and then preached Father's Day. And then one of the good things about At The Movies and even summer reading uh, is that it allows for a great opportunity uh, for our other pastors uh, to bring the message. And uh, somebody told me last week, Man, Pastor Chris, we, we don't have a weakness in our bullpen. And at first it kind of caught me off guard. I was like, in our bullpen? He's like, oh, in our, you know, in all the different pastors that are preaching and just talked about how each and every week uh, that we've been blessed as a church. So it's good for me, good for you, and it's good for them uh, as well. And they've all, all brought very, very powerful messages. And uh, speaking of which, uh, next Sunday, uh, Jacob, our youth pastor, uh, is gonna be bringing the message. Uh, but I bring that up because next Sunday night, uh, we are gonna have have an ordination service uh, for Jacob. He's going to be ordained uh, officially into full-time Christian ministry, and uh, you're invited to come uh, to a special night uh, of worship uh, and prayer, and uh, you're just not going to want to miss it. I promise you, you're going to walk out of here being uh, inspired uh, to serve and to minister uh, in great ways, and so we would love for you to be a part of that next Sunday night uh, at 6 o'clock here uh, in our auditorium. Uh, We'll have child care. Uh, for nursery and preschool. We'll have a little bit of food for you for afterwards, uh, but we would love for you to be a part of that. Uh, Today, uh, we kick off another uh, favorite summer sermon series tradition uh, here at Coastal. We've been doing this one for about, uh, I believe, about 10 years or so, and uh, it's called Summer Reading. Summer Reading. Now, let me see a, a show of hands. How many of you love to read? You consider yourself a reader, Okay, two. No, that's, no we, have, we have a few more. Okay, that's great. Now, let me, let me see some hands on this one. How many of you made a promise to yourself uh, after high school, after college, that you would never read a book again and you pretty much kept that promise? Anybody? Okay, we have a few more. That's, that's not good. Um, anyway, well, uh, for all of you, let me explain how this series works. Uh, our pastors and staff uh, have picked seven books Uh, that we believe are worth reading, okay? We provide the book list early on in the summer and uh, encourage you uh, to pick up the books and read them uh, for yourself. Pretty simple, start reading, right? After all, what do we say here at Coastal? Leaders are what? Readers, that's right. Leaders are readers. Now, obviously, you know, just like at the movies, we're not preaching from the books themselves, okay? Each week, we're simply using the subject matter of those books or a theme in, in that book uh, as the subject for that Sunday morning's message. And then we're going to do what we always do here at Coastal. We're going to open up the Word of God. We're going to dig into it, and uh, we're going to point people to Jesus. So, Let's get started. Uh, Today's book is probably the shortest of all the books. Uh, I like to say that you can read this in about two or three sittings. When you go to the bathroom, just keep it there in the bathroom. Two or three sittings, you'll get through this book. It's really quick and easy to read. It's called Created to Dream by Rick Warren. Now, in this particular book, Rick Warren explains what he says is the biblical process that God uses to fulfill his dreams in your life. God's dreams for your life. By the way, did you know that? Did you know, do do you realize 
that God has a dream for your life. He does. In fact, the book is based on two uh, Bible promises. You're probably familiar with these two scriptures. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Great promise. And then the second promise is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than, we, than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. So, there it is. God has a plan for your life, and he is able to do more than you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. Is that amazing or what? I mean, that, that really is. That's amazing because I don't know about you, but man, I can dream some pretty big dreams. I mean, I have a pretty wild and, and, and crazy imagination. And, and the Bible says, God says that, hey, you come up with the biggest and the best that you can dream up, and I'll top it. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So how does that happen, though? You know, and, and, and what does it look like? And, and what do we do and, and, and how do we keep believing and keep dreaming when that particular dream doesn't happen how we thought it would or when we thought it would? Well, that's what I want us to talk about today. And to do that, we're going to look at the life of Abraham. So first of all, if you're taking notes, number one, you need to understand the stages of faith. The stages of faith. Now that really is what this particular book, Created a Dream, is all about. That's what Rick Warren focuses on here in this book, that, that God typically takes people through um, a very predictable fa phases or stages of faith. And so I'm gonna run through these pretty quickly, and you can read the book for yourself and get a lot more detail, but let's talk about these stages. The first stage is when, when God gives you a dream. Okay, a dream from God, a goal, an idea. So let me ask you, has God ever given you a dream? Has God ever given you a goal, a, a dream, an idea? I'd love to hear about that, by the way. You know, if you're watching online, maybe leave a little comment about a dream or a goal that God placed on your heart. And then maybe this morning, uh, for those of you who are here, write it on the back of your Connect card. I'd love to pray with you about the dream that, that God has given you. Well, at age 75, God gives Abraham a dream. By the way, you are never too old for a God-given dream. You're never too old. If you're not dead, God's not done with you. If you're still breathing, he has a plan for your life. And so God tells Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. By the way, this church, Coastal Community Church, is a dream that God placed on my heart, that God gave me. You know, I'm, when I was 20 years old in Bible college, a dream to come back to Charleston and start a church. Stage two is a decision, a decision. It's when you decide now to act on that dream. Because a dream without a decision really is just worthless. And every single dream that God gives you has some sort of risk to it. Where you've got to, you've, you've got to take a step of faith. 
Abraham had to leave everything that he knew, had to leave his existing homeland and go to a place he knew nothing about. Genesis 12, 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. When God gives you a dream and says, this is what I want you to do with your life. This is the plan. There is going to come a point in your life where you have to act on it, where there is a decision to be made. Okay, God, I'm going to go after your dream for your life, not, not my life, uh, not my dream, your dream for my life. And there, there comes a point where you have to act on that dream. And again, at you know, 22 years old with no money, no large core group, no job, Jan and I acted on that dream. We moved to Charleston to start our church. So there's a decision to be made. Stage three is a delay, a delay. You know, most dreams are never fulfilled instantly. There, there's always a delay. God's dream for your life and when he actually fulfills that dream are two different things. You know, typically there, there's this gap. There's this gap of time between the dream that he gives you and when it comes to pass. Why? Well, because the goal is to grow you. He wants to mature you. You know, think about it. 11 years after God gave Abraham his dream, Abraham still doesn't have a child. You know, when he's 86 years old, it says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. So what happened during that, that time? Well, a lot of things happened, but in, in some ways the answer is nothing. You know, he's just waiting on God. Now, you can read the story for yourself. He is tempted to doubt, to despair, to take some detours and kind of, you know, do things his own way. But God says, no, you are going to have to wait for the fulfillment of this dream. And, I, and so I'm here to tell you that many times that's what God does. You know, that there is this delay. God, in other words, sometimes what God is waiting to do is this. God has to do a work in you before he can do his work through you. And for 14 years, our church was portable. You know, God, God gave me this dream. Jan and I moved to Charleston, you know, to start the church. No job, no money, no large core group of people. And uh, we moved to Charleston in, in August of 1989. And for those of you from Charleston, you know what happened in September of 1989. Hurricane Hugo kind of threw everything for a big loop, so to speak. And so we started our church, Easter Sunday, 1990, and for 14 years, we were portable. That means we set up and broke down every Sunday for 14 years. Relatively speaking, we were a pretty small church during that time. You know, 100 people or less. But somewhere in that time, that 14 years, we actually bought some land in West Ashley with the hopes of building on it. But every Sunday for 14 years, set up and broke down. And then stage number four brings the difficulty. <laughs> the difficulty. God not only lets you wait for a while before the dream is fulfilled, but while you wait, he lets you have some problems. Isn't that fun? 
Everybody yes, say yes, that's fun, yeah, yeah, no. You know, at, at the age of 99, Abraham still doesn't have a child. Sarah is now 89. In Genesis 17, he says, how could I become a father at the age of 100? You know, what's worse is that God actually changes Abraham's name. His name originally was Abram, and then God changes his name to Abraham. You know what it meant? Father of a great nation. I mean, you talk about a cruel joke. Somebody comes up to him and says, hey, hey, what's your name? Uh, you know, Abraham. Well, you know, what does that mean? Father of a great nation. Oh, how many children do you have? Zero? None? I mean, that's kind of embarrassing, don't you think? It was a great test of his faith. Eventually, God fulfills the dream. And at the age of 100, his wife is 90, they have this miracle baby, and they name him Isaac. By the way, the name Isaac, you know what it means? Laughter. Laughter. I bet they laughed, you know? Sarah's 90 years old. Now, we know that she didn't believe God when God said you're pregnant because she laughed. Because any woman who really believed God at 90 and she's pregnant would do what? Would be crying, right? Not laughing, crying. But then comes the most difficult stage of all. Stage number five is a dead end. At the dead end, God seemingly allows your dream to die. You know, Abraham was asked to give up this miracle child. God says, I want you to give him back to me. I want you to sacrifice him to me. So get this. Abraham waits 100 years and finally has a child. This child starts to grow up, and then God says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, Go and sacrifice him. I mean, Abraham's got to be thinking, what kind of God is this? You know, you're asking me to sacrifice the very dream, this dream, this promised child that you gave me, that you promised to me, and you're asking me to sacrifice him. Let me ask you a question. How do you know when you're at a dead end? I think you feel hopeless. You know, some of you are at a dead end in your marriage right now. Some of you feel like you're at a dead end, you know, in getting married. Some of you are at a dead end when you look at your finances, your budget, when you look at your career. You're, you feel like you're at a dead end in your relationship. Some of you feel like you're at a physical dead end with your health right now. You know, your, your health is just falling apart. And so when you're at this stage, typically you begin to doubt God. You begin to doubt his wisdom, his plan, his love. And you start saying, God, why? Like, you know, after all we've been through, why is this happening to me? Is this some sort of cruel joke? Well, congratulations. You know, God's getting you ready. In many ways, this is when you know, he's preparing you for that final stage of faith, which is deliverance. You see, the greater the dead end, the more hopeless the situation, the greater the deliverance can be. Because it's then and only then that you say, wow, there's no other explanation for this except for God. Only God could have done this. 
He did it for Abraham, and he'll do it for you. You know, everybody in this room, God is going to take you through these stages of faith many, 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 many times in your life. Over and over again, you'll go from, you know, dream to decision to delay to difficulty to dead end to deliverance. And then he'll just, he'll do it again. And then he'll do it again and he'll do it again. And he does it to to keep growing your faith because, you see, that's the goal with God. It's you. It's your faith. It's for you to become more Christ-like. In fact, everybody in this room right now, you are at one of these different stages of faith right now. And so you gotta understand this, you know, before you uh, learn to become patient and, and, and keep on believing. You know, I remember when we were at the end of uh, uh, those 14 years of being portable. And... Uh, our contract at the school we were meeting. You see, at that point during those 14 years, we basically had met at three different locations. And the last location, we were at a school right up the street here on Wapu Road. And at that point, Charleston County had this uh, kind of, um, the way they did their contracts, they basically wanted to get people out. They didn't want anybody meeting there any long term. So uh, every year, the, you know, the rent would go up or you know, something else would change. And at the end of the three years, they basically were wanting you to, you know, to be somewhere on your own. And uh, so here we are coming to, you know, the end of our three years, and uh, they're getting ready to raise our rent to something that we really couldn't afford. And we couldn't find another place to meet. I mean, we, we'd been everywhere, looked everywhere. We're too large to meet in someone's home, but we're too small to do anything with that land that we had bought, you know, hoping one day to build on. We couldn't afford to build anything on our property. So honestly, we felt like we were stuck. And um, man, I just remember going, God, I don't know if this is it. You know, 14 years, is this, was this your plan? Because I don't know what we're gonna do. I don't know what's next. And I could just remember just crying out to God. And then I get a phone call. Happened to be from a, a family who lived right back here behind the church. Said, hey, Pastor Chris, I think there's a, an old church in, in our neighborhood uh, that's looking to sell their land and their building. And it might be something, you know, you might be interested in. So sure enough, you know, I drove over here and checked out 460 Arlington Drive. And uh, it used to belong to St. John's Episcopal Church. They had dwindled down to a small number of mainly elder, elder, elderly people. and They were getting ready to merge with another church. And so I told them our story with the hopes that maybe they'd, you know, sell the building and property to us. And uh, I can remember just driving around this property, looking through the window. Janet didn't even want to come over here with me because we'd been turned down so many times and you know, so many things we thought were going to work out didn't work out. And I didn't tell hardly anybody about it because just because of that, we are just afraid that this was just another example of just another dead end. And it just wasn't going to work out. Well, then I get a phone call I said, yeah, we'd like to, you know, we'd like to work something out. So I come over here on a Saturday and I meet with the bishop of the Episcopal Church of the state of South Carolina. And he showed us the property and walked through it with me. And he said, let's pray together. And so we prayed, we shook hands. And I said, well, so 
when can we move in? And he said, tomorrow. This was on a Saturday. He said, tomorrow. I had told nobody at our church about this, except for a very, very few people. I showed up at, uh, at church. You know, we set up and break down every Sunday morning and showed up there with the crew. We set up everything in the, in the auditorium, the children's area, and I stood up to preach. And I said, guys, today I'm going to pull an audible. We're going to do something a little bit different today. And so I began to tell them the story of, you know, what had happened. And I said, guys, guess what? We're going on a field trip today. Let's pack up everything, and we're going to caravan right down Savannah Highway, and God's got a new place for us. And uh, that's what we did. And we, we pulled up onto our, this campus 19 years ago. And uh, I remember my daughter walking through uh, the old auditorium, touching the old pews, and said, can we touch it? Is it ours? I said, honey, it's ours. It's ours. And uh, God did it. You know, it was him. It was a miracle. And he did that in our life. And I can tell you so many examples over the years of God doing that. And listen, you know, it wasn't like, oh, if you build it, they will come. And we have this new building. And all of a sudden, the church begins to grow. No, it didn't work that way. You know, it probably took about another, you know, six or seven years uh, for God to do a pruning and a work in our life and in my life. And now here we are today. You know, God's faithful. He, he takes you through these stages over and over and over again. Number two, you got to remember what God can do. Remember what God can do. Again, the situation might be out of your control, but it's never out of God's. You, know, you focus on what he can do, on what, on what God can do. Romans 4.17 says this, this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates things out of nothing. You know what that is? That's, that's the definition of a miracle right there. You know, in a miracle, you know, either God gives life to something that was dead or he creates something out of nothing. That's what God can do. He can, he can give life to a dead career. He can bring life to a dead marriage. He can bring life to a dead dream, to dead finances. He can bring something out of nothing. Now, you gotta notice something very important here, though. What did Abraham put his faith in? Not in himself, not in his feelings. He believed in God. You see, when you're at, in that delay, when you come to that dead end, you, you gotta have more than just nice, happy thoughts. You gotta put your faith in God. You gotta remember what he can do. And that leads us to number three. When you're waiting on him, number three, rely on God's promises. Rely on God's promises. Romans 4, 18. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Circle the phrase there, even when there was no reason for hope. You ever felt that way? You ever felt hopeless? You know, typically when you feel hopeless, you start using the phrase never. You know, I'm never gonna get married. We're never gonna have a child. You know, we're never gonna be happy. We're never gonna have a place of our own. We're, things are never going to change. So what do you do when hope starts to die? Notice what Abraham did. It says Abraham kept hoping. He kept on believing. He kept on trusting. How do you keep trusting when you feel like doubting, when you feel like giving up? It says here, for God had said to him. Who said to him? God said. 
Listen, nothing is more reliable than God's word to you. Coastal, we have got to get this. He relied on the word of God, and that's what kept him going when everything else in him wanted to give up. Listen, if you're going to be a man of faith, a woman of faith, if you're going to accomplish God's dream for your life, you have got to get God's word in your life. You gotta read his word, you gotta study his word, you gotta memorize his word, you gotta fill your, your mind with the word of God. Hebrews eleven seventeen. it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. God's testing him. Isaac grows up, God says, give him back to me. But Abraham doesn't panic. He fully believed that either God was somehow going to spare his son or he was going to resurrect him from the dead. You know, when he tells his servant, we're going up the hill to sacrifice, notice that he said, we'll be back. Not, I'll be back. He didn't say that. He said, we'll be back. He completely believed that somehow, some way, his son's going to come back with him. And then when Isaac is walking up the hill with him and says, hey, Dad, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb that we're going to sacrifice? Abraham says, the Lord will provide. Why? He trusted in the promises of God. That's faith. Trust and obedience. Trust and obey. So here's the big test for you in your life. What are you going to do when God says, I want you to sacrifice your greatest dream? That's the ultimate test of faith. When God says, that thing you value most, the thing that you want most in your life, are you willing to give it up on the altar? Will you do what Abraham did? Will you keep trusting in faith, hoping in faith, trusting in the promises of God? Will you continue to be obedient? The fourth, fourth thing you gotta do when you're waiting on God, number four, face the facts in faith. Face the facts in faith. Romans 4, 19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact, circle that phrase, faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Abraham recognizes the truth. It is a medical impossibility that they're gonna have kids. He doesn't deny that. You know, faith doesn't pretend that you don't have a problem. Faith doesn't ignore reality. Faith doesn't act like things aren't difficult. You see, a lot of people today think that that's what faith is. No. Faith is facing those facts in your life without being discouraged by them. It's facing the reality and still moving forward, taking that next step, acting and believing in faith, still trusting, still being obedient. You know, some of you have loved ones who are facing cancer. You can't deny the diagnosis, but you can defy the verdict. There's a big difference. You, you can't deny the diagnosis. They don't have cancer, they don't have cancer, they don't, yes they do, they do. That, listen, that's fantasy, that's denial, but you can defy the verdict. You can fight it with all that you are, and you can say, you know what, we're gonna do everything on our end to, to beat this, and in the process, we're gonna keep believing, keep trusting, keep moving forward, 
Keep trusting God. Listen, this is important. There's a brand of Christianity out there today that says, deny all your problems and just smile, smile, smile. That's not Jesus. That's a mental disorder. Okay, it is. Faith is not denying reality. Faith is a willingness to face the reality in your life without giving up. You know, keep trusting God. Keep believing. Keep moving forward. Some of you need to have some deep, legitimate grieving in your life. You know, maybe things have not turned out the way you planned them to. What you dreamed for your life isn't going to happen, but you don't have to have a pity party. You can still believe that God knows best, and you can say, sure, it didn't turn out the way I planned, but I believe that God has a better plan. God is not finished with me. He's not finished with my life, and I still believe that he has good things in store for me, and I'm willing to be obedient and to keep trusting him. That's faith. And then finally, number five, rejoice in anticipation. Rejoice in anticipation. You joyfully expect and believe that God is going to act in your life and he's gonna do good things even if it's not the way you planned. Romans 4, 20 and 21 says, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham never wavered, and he gave glory to God. That's faith. Listen, when God finally brings deliverance, typically he'll do it in one of three ways. One is circumstantial deliverance. Circumstantial deliverance. In that type of deliverance, God does change the situation. He miraculously turns the circumstances around, and God will do that many, many times in your life. He will, but he's not always gonna do it that way. You know, he will do miracles in your life, but he's not always going to change the situation, and he's not always gonna change it the way you think he ought to. Number two, he also does a personal deliverance, a personal deliverance, and that's when he changes you. That's when he changes you. You get a bigger perspective. You get a deeper faith. You develop a more Christ-like character. And then God changes you, and sometimes he leaves the situation alone. Or he does it in his way. That's a personal deliverance. But then there is some pain in life, some circumstances, that are only gonna be relieved, number three, through our ultimate deliverance, our ultimate deliverance. And I'm talking about heaven. You know, one day we're gonna go to a place, those of us who know the Lord, where there is no tears, no suffering, no sadness. And that is ultimately the deliverance that God wants to offer. You know, God has not promised to take away all of our pain He's not promised that you know, all of our loved ones are gonna live for as long as we want them to live. God has not promised that you're not gonna have any difficulties or dead ends or delays. He's not promised to take away all of your pain. But he has promised to give you the strength to walk through it and that he'll walk through it with you. 
And he has promised that one day, ultimately, he will deliver you to a place where there is no sadness or no pain. The Bible says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What is the hope of the glory of God? It's heaven. But there's only one way to get there. It's through faith in Christ. It's through faith. By the way, the Bible word for deliverance is the word salvation. That's what it means. Jesus is your savior, your deliverer. What about you? Are you at a dead end this morning? Have you lost hope? I want, you, I want to close with this. Listen, Jesus can turn your hopeless dead end into an endless hope. He can turn your hopeless dead end into an endless hope. So whatever problem seems hopeless to you, I want to urge you right now, right here today, to give that problem, that difficulty to Jesus right now. But more importantly, give him your life. Give him your life and ask him to deliver you. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today we thank you for your word and I thank you for the example of Abraham. And Father, I just thank you for the many times that you have you have taken myself personally in this church through these stages of faith to grow us, to mature us, to help us to be the church that you've called us to be, the people that you've called us to be. And listen, if you're here today and you're at a dead end, you feel hopeless, give that to Christ right now. Give him that, that pain, that problem, but most importantly, give him your life. Give it to Christ right now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.